Today is officially Palm Sunday. This is the week leading up to Easter. And if you're following along or you're doing any kind of reading on your own uh, for what's happening in this time of, in the life of Jesus during this time, this is the time when Jesus is looking over Jerusalem and he has tears in his eyes. He has conviction in his heart. And he has resolution on his mind. Like he knows the cross is coming. He knows death is coming. And this is the time that we're entering into right now, this week. So I'd encourage you, if you're following any kind of, of Easter study on version or anything, just to really put yourself in the place of what was going on during this time while Jesus walked the, the earth. Next week is Easter Sunday. Um, we're going to have a good time here. We don't, we're not going to do anything wild and crazy. We'll do stuff as normal. But this is a really good time to invite the CEO people, you know, the people that come to church for, for like Christmas and Easter and other special occasions. So the three times a year people will come. This is one of those weeks where you have like a card. You can invite anyone you know to come to church and they won't be offended. So go ahead and do so and, and invite people to come here next week. And then, and then there's just a lot of announcements. I'm sorry, but not really. Um, the week after Easter, two weeks away, we have baptism. I'm excited for that. We have two already signed up to be baptized, and I would encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, it's one of the ordinances that, that God gives us. He says, if you're a follower of Christ, then display it and, and show the world that you're going to do so. And so if you would like to get baptized, look out for the email. You can sign up for that, but also on your response card, if you just want to put dip me in water or baptize or whatever, give me your contact information and I'll contact you. And then one more announcement, and we're getting into this. Uh, there's a lot going on, which is, which is kind of cool. Kind of rare, but kind of cool. Uh, when, when is the, the Church Project CD release party? The, tw- the 28th. So the Friday following the 23rd. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. I had nothing to say other than remind you to that's coming on, and that's going to be fun. Okay, no more announcements. Let's get, let's get on with this. If you would... Turn to Acts chapter 4, verses 15 through 22. Uh, and if you, have, uh, if you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible in the row next to you, or there's a Bible in the cards in the very back. And on, uh, in that blue Bible, if you want to turn to page 630, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, verses 15 through 22 today. Acts chapter 4, verse 15 through uh, 22. Let me read through this, and then I'm excited for the message. I think God has given us a good word today. Acts chapter 4, verse 15. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In verse 21. And when they had further threatened them, They let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. 
I want to give us a, a little bit of context in this passage, just in case you're coming in and you're not, you're not familiar with the story. This is the early church. The, this is when church very first started. Peter and John were going into the, the temple. Jesus had already, had already been um, crucified and risen from the dead. This is days later, um, months later. Peter and John are going into the temple, and they see a lame man. So... With the power of Jesus, they, t- they tell the lame man to get up and start walking. And obviously, he was older than 40 years old, so he'd been lame for a while. And now, because this man is walking, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, people are drawn to what is happening. They come and they start worshiping Peter and John. Peter and John say, don't worship us, we're just mere men. Like, there's power greater than us, it's in the power of Jesus. And now, there's thousands of people that are drawn to this event. Like, this is the beginning of something new. Well, the officials of that time are not happy. Because the Jesus they had crucified, they thought that they had gotten rid of they, now he's coming back and, and he's, he's risen and now all this incredible stuff is happening and the official rulers of that time are losing control. They're losing power. So they call Peter and John in and they say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And they begin, they're having a court council meeting right now with Peter and John to, trying to determine what do we do with this? There's thousands of people that are going towards this and there's excitement. Peter and John, what are you doing? And so in this passage right now, they just, they just dismiss Peter and John and they're talking amongst themselves. They're saying, what are we going to do? And so in verse 15, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign had been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. These are the officials. They're threatened by what's happening. They yell at Peter and John. They send them out, and now they're amongst themselves going, what are we going to do? We cannot deny it. This man is walking. Powerful things have happened. I want to take a moment right now just to look at this passage. Because this, pa- this passage begs a lot of questions. And anytime you open the Bible, it begs a lot of questions. And there's questions to be asked. Like, what was the original writer, what, what were they trying to say when this was written? And what was the message to the people of that time. It's important to know the context of Scripture. Context is key when we look at Scripture. Because if not, we're going to be tempted to just suddenly open our Bible and go, blah, 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 and start reading and going, God is speaking to me right now, right here in this. It may not be the case. He may use that to teach you, but that's called helicopter teaching and helicopter studying. And so context is so important to know because then we know what Jesus is really trying to teach us and what the Spirit is really trying to show us. So in the context of what's happening here in Acts chapter 4, Luke is the writer, and it's his follow-up writing to Luke. This is Acts, his follow-up writing. And if you want to go to the beginning of those books, Luke and Acts, he's writing to his friend Theophilus. And he says, I'm writing these things to you, my friend Theophilus, so that you may know the things of God are true. So all the writing of Luke, all the writing of Acts, he's writing towards Theophilus that he may know that the things written about God and that he's heard about God are true. Which you have to ask a little bit of a question in this. How did Luke Luke know this happened? 
right here, right now. Like, how does it start? But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed for them and evidence all in Jerusalem. We cannot deny that. Was Luke in that room? How, how does Luke know that this is what happened that went down? These are the leaders. They got everyone out of the room, and they, now they're having this private conversation that we're reading about now. How are we reading about this now? I, I pretty much think that Luke was not in that room. So how did he find out about this? Just, just go with me on this random little tangent. Because I think it's important when we study Scripture that we put it in its context. So we know what Scripture is teaching us. How did Luke know that this happened? Well, through my thinking, and maybe you can, you can come up with another thought here. Through my thinking, Luke, this whole time, has been interviewing people and eyewitness accounts of incredible things. Luke is a physician. He's tr- crossing every T. He's dotting every I. His job is to give an accurate account of everything that, J- that, that Jesus did so that Theophilus would know that these things are true. So in my thinking, the only way that this went down is that Luke must have later interviewed someone who was in the council. The only way he's going to know the context and the content of that meeting was later Luke interviewed someone that was in that council or someone that knew someone that was in that council. Like, how are you going to know such deep detail about this that we're reading about thousand years later unless you're talking with someone who was in that room at that time? I am hopeful that God moved in that man's heart. Whoever was in that council, whoever was having this conversation, whoever said, Peter and John, get out of here. And then this conversation goes down. Whoever Luke interviewed, however this made it into our Bible, I am super hopeful that this person, this individual, we know will be a man because of the time and men in leadership at this time. We know that this man, and I'm hopeful that this man's heart was changed from that moment to the moment that this is written about with Luke. Why is this important? Just in this passage alone, just in this passage, just in this context, Scripture is begging and jumping off of the pages saying, I am doing incredible things in your life, church. In just this passage alone, God is moving in the lame man. Would you agree? We're going we're gonna to get some yeses going. Yep. All right, yep, I see it. Is God moving in the lame man? Most definitely. What happened to the lame man? He's jumping, he's praising. So obviously God moved in the lame man. God is moving in everyone that knows that lame man. Would you agree? Your friend of 40 years old is now jumping and dancing. Do you go... Wow, God is moving not only in the layman, he's moving in everyone that knows him. God is moving in Peter and John. Look, Peter and John are coming alive, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But God is moving in Peter and John. Look, just this right here. God is moving in the people. 5,000 plus people there. God is moving in those people. God is moving in the Supreme Court of Jerusalem. God is moving in this council so much where they have to dismiss him. And God is moving amongst them. And now we're reading about this account. God is moving in that. God is moving in Luke, the writer of this, because he's writing this. 
And as he's writing it, God is moving in him. That's why we even have scripture in Luke that we can read about. God is also, I would probably say, moving in Theophilus, who Luke is writing all of Luke about, so Theophilus would know the things of God. Do you see how deep this is going? And I want to say right now, God is moving in our hearts as we read this. You think it's about a layman walking. We think it's about a court trying to decide what to do with two guys that are running wild and doing crazy things. And our view is so limited. I can guarantee that we could not exhaust the list of how things just in this one passage, God has moved throughout all time and space for this. And I can guarantee this also. Throughout all time and space, God is moving and he's moved stars, he's moved time, he's moved everything to speak to your heart right now. And to speak to your mind right now. And so I pause and I just pray. God, would you open our hearts? Would we know that you are the creator of everything? Whom we worship and we praise. We celebrate life. We celebrate freedom. In this, pre- in this place today, I pray that you would move in our hearts. Hmm. Okay, let's look at verse 17. Verse 17 picks up and says, But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in in this name. So they called them in and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's all they could come up with. (laughs) 5,000 people going crazy, a lame man dancing. They don't know what to do. They're losing control. And the best that these educated, smart men could come up with was... Be quiet, please. Come back in. Peter and John, please be quiet. I, I get fixated on words. I'm sorry, but not really. And, um, so I go and I start right here in verse 17 and goes, but in order that it may spread no further among the people. What's it? The, the gospel. What would you say, Brittany? The gospel. I like that. What, what is it? Whatever it is, the gospel, whatever, they, they, don't, they don't want it to spread. They, they don't, whatever it is, they don't want it to spread. They are, they're saying, don't preach in his name. This is, this is important. Pick this up. Because in your lifetime, you're going to have people who go, how do you know that the Bible is true? Okay, multiple ways. I'll give you a pretty, a pretty like, normal way, okay? These people, the rulers, the Supreme Court of the time, that have all the power right now in order that it may not spread, the gospel may not spread, look what, look what they're accusing them right here. They're saying, don't preach in his name. That's what they're talking about. They're saying, don't preach in his name. Now, you can miss something in this. Isn't it interesting that to this point, and even here, the authorities are not trying to disprove, disprove the resurrection of Christ? Isn't that interesting? That's what the whole problem is. The whole problem is the resurrection of Christ. Isn't it interesting? They're not trying to disprove that in this point, nor have they since the time Jesus has been resurrected. What does that say? It's like they have come to accept the resurrection actually did take place and they're put back on their heels. That's powerful. 
it's like they're, they're admitting guilt without even admitting guilt. It's like the, the elephant in the room that they don't want to address. They don't want to talk about the resurrection of Christ. So what do they do in the previous verses leading up to this? By whose authority are you doing this? Don't teach in that name. Like they're going all around the point and they have missed that the whole point is that Jesus is risen from the dead. The whole reason that they're in this mess anyways is that they killed him. And now the church is wakening. This is the beginning of the church. This is the New Testament church. There's a movement. Lame men are now jumping up and down and they, the leaders don't know what to do. Moments like this when we get in Scripture, moments like this, and I think even moments like this in our own life, is kind of like the religious law of the Old Testament meets up with the New Testament, and there's freedom, and there's spirit, and there's grace. But the, the rulers of the land, they don't know how to get past the law of the Old Testament. And they don't know how to move into the grace and the spirit and the freedom that the New Testament has brought. That has been brought in by the, re- the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's like they're stuck in the middle. Sometimes it's hard letting go of what you know. Especially in this case. As their vocations are depending on it, this is what they do. They're educated. They're professional. Sometimes it's hard letting go of what you know. Especially in this group of people, if you want to look a couple verses earlier, it says these people, the rulers, they built this whole thing, this whole structure. They're the builders, especially in this case. And they're watching the structure, their vocations, the things that they built. They're watching it crash before their very eyes. I mourn the death of old telephones. Remember the house telephones? For one reason. The huge long cord that was attached to that. Any of you old enough to remember that? The long cord that you would take like out the kitchen. You would go through the living room, down the hall, across the bathroom, in your room, shut the door, go into your closet and shut it. Remember that cord right there? Like (laughs) I I mourned that cord. It was a lot of fun. And so if you missed it, I'm sorry. But man, I'm glad we don't have those cords anymore, right? If we'd have been stuck in that cord, like it would make mobile phones really hard. Sometimes transitioning from the old and into the new is very hard. It's uncertain. You don't know what's going to come with it. It's confusing. It's worrisome. These people here, the leaders, I don't know. I, I reach out, and when I put a pause on Scripture and I try to put myself in, in the shoes of the leaders, I kind of feel a little sorry for them. I, I kind of go, man, they're trying to, like, we built this. This is generations. Like the law, the Old Testament, serve God. Like they're trying. But this thing is, new thing is starting to happen before their eyes, and they're just not getting it. So, it, I would say the gospel, it is Christianity, it is the church, and it couldn't be stopped. It began here. And it, the thing they tried to mute and kill, could not be stopped. That's why you're sitting here today. This is a pretty powerful thing. Okay, let's go on to verse 19. Man, time goes fast up here. 
make sure you're in a house church so you can talk about all this stuff. Like, I, I love house churches and being able to just go on tangent and, and jump off of the passage and talk questions. And please get in a house church. Okay, verse 19. Um, let's read 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They asked right here a question, Peter and John. And they also said what they would do. And then they put the question back on the people themselves to decide how they're going to respond. So Peter and John ask a question. They say what they're going to do with that question. And then they put the question right back on the ruler saying, hey, it's up to you what you're going to do, but we cannot. We are going to move forward in this. Peter and John replied in terms that they had lived and that they had known. What do I mean by that? Peter and John replied in terms that they had lived and that they had known. They had walked with Jesus. They had seen Jesus getting tested by the scribes and the Pharisees with with the woman that was caught in adultery. Remember that in John chapter 8, verse 7, 8, 9, right in there, John 8-ish. And in John 8, 7, Jesus is speaking because the scribes and the Pharisees come up to Jesus and they start questioning him and trying to catch him in a trap. And I imagine Peter and Luke sitting in the background watching all this thing happen as Jesus is getting tried and tested. And in, in John 8 and 7, it says, Jesus is talking to the scribes and Pharisees, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. So they're attacking Jesus. He asks one brilliant question. Statement, if you're without sin, throw a stone at her. And then I like how one verse later, or two verses later in John 8, 9, it says, but when they heard this, the scribes and the Pharisees, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. Because when you get older, you realize you don't know anything. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. So Jesus is getting attacked by the scribes and the elders, the teachers. He makes one brilliant statement. I imagine Peter and Luke looking on in awe and wonder, going, how did he do that? With one statement, he diffused the whole thing. And now Jesus is alone with the woman caught in adultery. This is the good news message. As Peter and John respond, they're only responding in the way that they know how. They walked with Jesus. They saw Jesus. They're basically regurgitating what Jesus said. Like, this is what we know. We don't need to talk in high educated voices. I got myself an education voice. We're going to say what we know, what we've experienced. And we saw Jesus do it this way, so we're going to do it this way. And it put the educated people on their heels. This is the good news message What once used to arrest Peter and John was the temporal living here on earth. Notice how they have an eternal perspective now, which is snatching eternity here and now in this moment. You can see Peter and John standing before the council, and it's not even about temporary stuff. It's about eternity meeting now. I like how when they respond, they say, we cannot shut up about this. 
When I read that, I see deep conviction of the conscience. Something that you can't not do. Like, it's a deep conviction of the conscience. And because Peter and John had spent time with Jesus, because they had walked with Jesus and grown with Jesus, they are deeply convicted and they cannot shut up. And they see things from the eternal perspective. Because the temporal perspective would would say this to me. I better shut up or else I'm going to get killed. I'm in front of the leaders of the land right now saying some pretty stupid stuff. I better shut up. But they're so deeply convicted that they cannot be quiet about this. What kind of freedom is that? To walk with that conviction that the temporary moments of our Monday days in and out mean nothing to us because we can see eternity. Let's go to verse 21. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, (laughs) finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. He was there in their midst. They could not do anything about it. The conviction of Peter and Luke drove them and captured every moment of their life. They were living out this conviction. The leaders of the land, they saw the man healed. They saw things going on. They, they saw people coming. They didn't know what to do. They, their hands were tied. They had to let him go. So what conviction of the conscious captures your everything? What conviction of the conscience captures your everything? Live it, church. What you're deeply convicted about, live it. Who cares what the circumstances look like? Who cares what the authorities may say? What questions may come your way? Live that thing that you're deeply convicted about. As Peter and Luke lived and they just, they walked with Jesus and they loved Jesus and they experienced Jesus. All they could do was be deeply convicted about that relationship and bring it into their everyday life. Church, what would happen if we lived in our deeply convicted, conscious moments of every day? There'd be a lot more smiles, and I I would also say there'd probably be a lot more lame men walking. A lot more addictions broken. Passivity would be killed. Be a whole lot more love, I guarantee you that. The world would be an incredible place. And we're little micro-environments wherever we go, to our workplaces, to our schools, snowboarding, Brittany, wherever we go, to walk in the freedom of having something deep in us. A conviction that comes not because we have to conjure it up, but because we walked with Jesus. Do you see the gospel message in this? I want to wrap up here with Psalms 27. I invite you to open it up to Psalms 27, or you can just kind of sit and close your eyes and be in this moment. Because as King David wrote, Imagine the beauty that he writes this with. Imagine Peter and John as they know, they, they know these writings. Like they, they know this. And I wonder if Peter and John are writing even with Psalms 27 in mind. So let me, let me get this. Psalms 27.
King David, a man after God's own heart, he writes and encourages Peter and John, and he writes and encourages us today. So let this sink in. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me high upon a rock then my head will be exalted above the enemy who surrounds me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says to you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Church Project, I pray that we will be confident of this, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And my encouragement, the encouragement to my heart, my encouragement to you, is to wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Live the convictions of your conscience. Wait for the Lord. And we declare we will see His goodness in this land. Amen.